Good morning, church. Wow, we, we have so much talent in the church. We have children who can do announcements. We have women who do the announcements. We have live announcements. We have video announcements. And we have a beard that gives us announcements. Boy, he's got a beard. I could have swore I saw a little chipmunk stick his head out the side. I mean, it is, it's a forest. So, <laughs> well, we want to um, not just everyone here feeling welcome, but those who are tuning in now and, and this week because of time problems all around the world. We keep getting letters. Please contact us. Uh, to, we can know you're there and even send you some materials and just kind of get to know you, you as our extended family. So let's get started. This month is going to be on evangelism. <clears throat> and evangelism is one of those things that we all know we need to do, but you know what? I took it down to its very core here. So the message today is why I hate evangelism. I wanted to start at a place where most of you could identify with. Evangelism messages is usually like, how can I make the people feel like they're guilty? You know, they're just, they're just guilty of not, you know. Well, it's going to be interesting how we get there. But let me tell you, there's two young men who got so inspired by their pastor's teaching on evangelism. They thought, you know, we need to go and share. You know, the Bible says Jesus commanded us to go. You know, we got to spread the word. He said, every believer is the work of evangelists. I mean, they were fired up. And so they get, so they're going to go to their neighborhood. They go, and they, they go and they knock on the door. And this older lady comes to the door. And they're standing there going, ma'am, we would just like to share the love of Jesus with you. She was just so mad, so angry. She grabbed the door and slung it shut. And she heard this boom. And it opened. She thought to herself, they must have stuck their foot in the door. So she grabbed that door and swings it shut again and went thunk and bounced back over. This time, one of them lets out this scream that didn't even sound human. And so she goes, I'm... She even got a good bass, was going to swing that door till it is going to hurt if they stick their foot in there. And one of the boys spoke up and said, ma'am, if you're going to swing that door again, you might want to move your cat. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen when you go out to serve God. <laughs> so in <clears throat> this process of, uh, and, and really living up to the, the title, Why I Hate Evangelism, let me just See if you've noticed these things. You know, notice how, how awkward sometimes evangelism is for so many people. Because, you know, basically what you're doing, you're telling people what they don't know about the Bible and that they're going to hell. Or their understanding of the Bible is wrong and yours is right. And that's how it comes across. And that's not, that's not our intention, but that's what they're hearing. And maybe it is some of us our intentions. <laughs> it, is, it just makes for an awkward... It's saying that you're going to hell and I'm not. We're trying to say, I love you, I love you. They're, going, you're going to, they're hearing, you're going to hell, you stink. Wow. How do we get around that? 
You know, how, I don't know if you've ever noticed how evangelism makes your neighbors feel. And when I say evangelism, you're just going, hey, you know, uh, that, that seat saved? They go, no, are you? <laughs> I know them all. I know them all. And I've used them all. We used to, I don't know if you're old enough to, we used to have surveys. You know, you're like, you're in the lunchroom and <clears throat> you take the surveys. Do you breathe there? Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, you have two eyes? Yes. You want to accept Jesus? Yeah. I, what? <laughs> you get them saying yes, 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 yes. And then you, it's like selling insurance. You know, hey, you love your family? Yeah. You know, you want to live a long time? Yeah. You want to buy this policy? Yeah. What? Just sign right here. Uh, or the latest one, you know, you go, go up there and going, hey, have you ever stolen? You know, first of all, I said, do you think you're a bad guy? No, I'm not a bad guy. So have you ever stolen anything in your life? A piece of gum? And the answer is, everyone had a grandmother you stole gum out of her purse. Come on. Or loose change. Dollar bills. I mean, <laughs> have you ever lied? And the answer is, yeah. So you've stolen. You've stolen from family members, and you admit you're lying. So what's good about you now? So you need a savior. Like, <laughs> there's that uncomfortable moment. See, I even made you uncomfortable, didn't I? <laughs> and we're believers. <laughs> well, <clears throat> family reunions. And they are your friend, they're your family. And they're going, okay, let's have Mark say a prayer. You ever seen the roll eyes? Or every, the, the breath. <sighs> okay. <laughs> because he's going he's to explain his prayer before he prays. You know, he's got to make us hold hands. We might even have to hug. You know, everyone's uncomfortable. Wow. I think the scripture, you probably, you know, Here's what's going on in someone's brain. I just heard it. I just heard your brain. Shh, make it a little quieter. Because here's what your brain just said. He is right. I've experienced every one of those. I've even been the guy who went, I've experienced every one of those emotions. But I don't think pastors are supposed to say it. Publicly anyway. But guess what? I'm not the first one to say this. Jesus did. He was the first one. And if Jesus said it, you know what? That gave me the freedom to just tell you what he said. Here it is. In Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are you when people... Now, wait. Now, yesterday when you were thinking, no, I, I would really like a blessing from God. Now, I'm sure some of you have said, yeah, I'd like... I'd like pray, for, pray for me to have a blessing. Well, this is what Jesus said. Here's your blessing. Blessed are you when people insult you. Huh? What? Insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. He said it. I didn't. But he says, blessed are you. I'm like, yeah, I'm so blessed, you know. <laughs> well, 
it goes on. It, 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 it doesn't even get any better. It says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. But I'm here now. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right. Well, first of all, because they did the same thing about the prophets who were before you. What were the prophets doing? They were prophesying. When you talk about Jesus, guess what you're doing? According to Revelations chapter 19, it says the, the testimony of Jesus, whenever you say talk about Jesus, it's the spirit of prophecy. So you know what? You, you people say, where are the modern day prophets? Those who can talk about Jesus is the very spirit of prophecy. And that's what opens up the door to other gifts. But it's right here. It says, you know what? It's just been shot out. This whole prophet thing has been shot out like a shotgun. It says, just like, he's talking about to the body. He goes, just as the prophets of old that went before you. All right? But we can all do the program. We can come up with, you know, the six steps and the sheet of paper and the, you know, the, is that seat saved? And, you know, are you blah, blah, you know. And it works and sometimes it doesn't, and, but it makes people's eyes roll and you notice it. And people minimize, make you feel minimalized because you can see them <sighs> roll their eyes, be uncomfortable. But we can do the programs and they can be successful. But this is the part I want to capture today. It says rejoice and be glad. Rejoicing and being glad is a heart issue. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. The program is something that you do. But honestly, if I'm going to be minimalized, if I'm going to be looked at, if I'm going to make everyone and all my neighbors uncomfortable, you know, it wears on you. And sometimes you pick up the wrong spirit when you do evangelism. I want to discover the rejoice and be glad. That's the part of this verse that I want. Sure, we're, you know, we, we all recognize the persecution. You know, we need to realize that non-believers are living up to the scriptures. They're not receiving it. That's in the Bible. What's not being lived up to is our part, and that's the rejoice and be glad. So we're the ones that are outside of what the Lord said. Let us see if we can discover that part of it. The uncomfortable part you know, of all this is getting mocked. So here's the different things that are going to be taught on this, this month. First of all, Jesus commands it in Matthew. He commands. And these are all great things. And we're not going to look at number five. God is glorified. Isn't that good enough right there? But the whole idea that the last thing that Jesus told us, he goes, listen, guys, i got to get this in. Go and make disciples. You got it? All right, go and make. That's what he said. Well, that's for this month. I'm going to talk about something a whole lot, a uh, whole different feeling. You know, let me put it this way. You remember when you got engaged no, too long ago. 
I remember, and that was just 40 years ago. Or you met that person you fell in love with. Man, there's nothing wrong with them. And oh, if there is, I can know. I just look past it. You're just, oh, man. Oh, you go in and you tell everybody, oh, I just met this beautiful girl. I met this guy. Oh, he's everything. And you know what? Your friends don't want to hear it. They're happy. Ha-ha, that's fine. fine. Shut up. You know, that's what they're saying inside. If you could just kind of look behind their smile, it's just saying, I hate you. You have something I don't. Yeah, I'm so happy for you. You know. That's what happens when you evangelize. But you're saying, and it doesn't bother you at all to just go on and on and on about this guy that no one likes. Or this girl, they're going, really? But nothing's going to stop you. What was your attitude when you went in and you told your parents? You know, I was really cautious when I told my parents. <laughs> Mom, Dad... I've asked Crystal to marry me. I told you a story before. My dad goes, oh, I thought you rocked, uh, wrecked the car. And he, and he couldn't care about any more of the story. He was done. The car came home safe. He was happy. My mother leans forward and looked at Crystal and said, you are going to marry him? And she went, yeah. She said, good luck with that. <laughs> so, but you, know, you walk in, you go, Mom, Dad, I'm getting married. Now, let me tell you why, because I know you don't understand love. Like, we do understand love. Or, well, how, whatever we did understand is why you're here. You know what? We walk in and say, listen, you don't know anything about God, but I found him. Let me tell you what you don't know. Like, we know something. If it gets any louder, we're just going to go back to singing. <laughs> it's amazing how little it does. We've been wiped out by rain. But when you fall in love, no one's stopping you. You don't even care about their feedback. When you go, you know, you're going through public slime and, and the, the checkout lady goes, she goes, boy, you look happy. And well, I'm getting married. And you feel guilty because you really want to invite them, but you can't add any more people to the list. <laughs> I know you don't know me, but I would really like you to come just to see this love that I have. Did I tell you how much I love her? Did I tell you how she makes me feel? And you're like, just shut up. Now, some of you may not identify with that because maybe you didn't marry the person you love, but... Uh, <laughs> Let me talk to you on another level. Your dream house. Hey, I got this dream house. It is six billion square feet. It's on a lake. I'm so happy for you. You know, I'll go back to my little apartment with a hole in the ceiling and... Uh... But they're gonna tell us about this house. You even invite people over that you don't like just so they can see your house. You talk about your house. You're going, hey, you want to go out to eat? I can't. Got a new house. <laughs> it's like, okay. You know, uh, would you like to? I can't. Got a new house. 
You want to come and see it? <laughs> you know what it is? It's, it's something they've dreamed about. It's something that is touching them at a level that's just, wow. Do you know what? Don't do evangelism until you fall in love again. You fell in love with Jesus for whatever reason. When I was in high school and all through college, this one, it was an old song, but this phrase was just, I fall in love just thinking about this. The fact that I had a debt I couldn't pay. Do you know what it is to have a debt? I mean, a real debt. You can't pay. You're behind in your bills. You can't do it. You have this, you don't know how to get out of it. I had a debt that I couldn't pay. And then someone came along and put it in a spiritual sense, a phrase. He paid a debt that he did not owe. I had the debt of sin in my life. And I couldn't stop it. I couldn't block it. I had this guilt conscience that was just huge. It was killing me at night. Killing me at night. But I had a personality during the day that had to make fun of people, that had to do this, had to do the extreme, that had to do you know, the ridicule of this person or that person to get everyone to laugh. And I'd go to bed at night because I was a lover and I could not live with myself because I hated me and what I was doing to people. I was making some laugh at the cost of others. And then it, this was my verse. Everyone needs a verse. Everyone needs a phrase. Everyone needs to remember that which captured you, that thing that wrapped its arms around you. By the way, the first service, I cried through this whole section. So... <laughs> People going, hey, he's not crying today. I did it the first service. I'm done with it. Uh, and I did yesterday when I thought about this verse. I was going, it's like I'm falling in love with the reason I fell in love all over again. You see, as Christians, we become, we're becoming good citizens. You know, when you were, when you first, every one of you, when you were first married, you, you were in love. What would you do? And then you get married, and you, you have to live with them, so you start becoming a good citizen. You take out the garbage. You mow your yard. You paint your house. You go to work. You hold your tongue in this argument. You don't do this. You don't do this. You just become a good citizen. But that's not what you fell in love with. Being a good citizen was not how you fell in love. In fact, in Rome, when they crucified the disciples... They didn't see them as good citizens. They saw them as terrorists. They didn't go along to get along. They spoke of this love in their heart that they wouldn't shut up about. I can't. It's on my mind. I think about it. I dream about it. I appreciate it. I know who I was and I know who I am. It is who I am in love with. And that made them a bad citizen. They were against the state because the state is supposed to be all that. Caesar is supposed to be all that. And so they killed him. But we've become good citizens. We act right. We work correctly. We work hard. We hold our tongue. 
That's why I say, don't do evangelism until you fall in love again. David said, renew to me a steadfast spirit. How? You know, by remembering that first time I fell in love with you. King David knew it. He said, renew in me. Wow. I'm glad we're all good citizens, but, you know, ladies, you, you've been married. She says, well, why isn't it like it was? Because he's a good citizen. He behaves. He doesn't get out of order. He doesn't, doesn't do the crazy things like he used to do. We're all good citizens. How about tonight, y'all not be such good citizens? <laughs> do something just crazy like just run up and kiss her. <laughs> Give her a big cuddle. On the lips. <laughs> Outrageous. Do it now. That wasn't on the lips. <laughs> You know, years ago, when we first started the church, you know, I said, you know what, we just, we're too normal. I had him put on a Frank Sinatra song. I came off the stage, and I slow danced with Crystal in front of everybody. And I looked up, and I saw, they did, and then they did, and then they did, and they did. That's crazy. We're good citizens. We want, Jesus wants us to fall in love again and be crazy. Not care who's looking. Not care. And he's going, I don't even notice you looking because there's only one thing, and let me tell you right now, that if someone is looking down on his bride that he sees as perfect. And he is building, just waiting to come back for this. It's because we're his bride. And he sees no, no wrinkle, no spot on us. I don't know how he does it. I'll tell you how he does it. He's in love. He is in love and is looking forward to when he can be with that bride. That's what he sees. When I do marriage counseling, you know, premarital counseling, they're getting ready to get married. Oh, man, these people are just so in lust. I mean, love. Um, That's what they think love is at the time. But uh, so I'll say to the girl, okay, now, now this is the man who's going to see you in all your, what, your birthday suit and everything in a few days. And that's kind of new world. Oh, yeah, no, no. I go, so why don't you right now tell him one or two things that you think is the ugliest part of your body. Really? Yeah. What do you think every woman has got their ugliest part? Okay, you, you hide, you cover, you make up, you whatever. And, you know, they go, oh, it's my skinny shoulders, my big legs, my crooked toes, whatever. <laughs> you know. And I'll look to him and I'll say, what do you think about her scrawny shoulders, her big legs, and her crooked toes? He goes, it's my favorite part. <laughs> and she goes, no, you're perfect. What's imperfect about you? I love, I love the imperfection. No. Why? 
in love. They're in love. You become, you become the absolute best evangelist on the earth when you fall in love. You do. And you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. Revelations 2. Jesus is talking about the church, the churches and what he sees needs to be worked on. And he has something against all the churches. But when it comes to Ephesus, it's amazing. He tells them all that they're doing right. He goes, I know your deeds. Usually if God's talking to you, he goes, I know your deeds. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, but these are good deeds, all right? So they've done it all right. Because I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that, that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and I have found them, and, and found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you, you have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Consider how good a citizen. You know what they did? They became good citizens. They were doing it all right. They mowed their grass. They kept the dogs off of it. They kept the weeds out of it. They said, you've lost your first love. They're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing without love. Have you ever seen a marriage like that? We get along. We do all the right things. There's, there's no passion. How amazing an evangelist you come become when you fall in love. You know, if, if you're not doing anything to make people uncomfortable with your life, you may not be doing much of anything. We're just being comfortable. The key to evangelism, well, let's do this. Let's hope that one comes up. Yeah, there's a key here. We need to change our thinking. Evangelism is not so much telling people what they need to know as it is getting them to where they need to go. You see, we say, if we're telling them what they, we think we can tell them what they don't know and they're going to get saved. No, we need to get them where they need to go. And the basic, basically we want to do this, this real key is creating environments where people who don't know God can spend time with people who do. Because it's oozing out of you. How is it you get this? How, how is it you never get mad at that? Why, why don't you? One of the guys that uh, I've had the privilege of praying with and bringing not just to the Lord, but to the church. He attends the first service. I used to refer to him as, as uh, I don't even want to say. <laughs> he's my neighbor, he's, and he, he's a member of the church now. And, and I used to call him F and Joe. Because every line, there was an F word. And I'm like... You know, I introduce him to people in the church. I'm just going, this is F and Joe. Just kind of like, this is that guy. <laughs> Guess what? He's here. 
Now he's Farmer Joe. <laughs> he raised his chickens and he and I garden together. And he doesn't start every sentence with the F word. <laughs> but we got him in an environment where you guys rubbed off on him. Evangelism. I don't need to let them know something. I need to get them to go with something. And they chose to go with us. Evangelism. Easy. You fall in love with it. So, have you, now I know no one's done this, but have you ever looked at those charts, you know, calorie charts? You know, if you do this, you know, for 20 minutes, you know, you've, you've, if, if you pick up 4 million pounds for an hour, you've lost three calories, you know. <clears throat> I like to, I like, it's got running, bicycling, you know, just, but if you run for 10 minutes at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you're going to meet Jesus, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> so people come to me going, oh, uh, give me the meat, man. I, I, I'm coming here, so I want you to give me the meat. I want you to feed me. Feed me and feed me and feed me and feed me. And I think to myself, you know, they think they're appealing to me because I'm the teacher. I look back, I'm thinking, they're doing nothing, nothing, nothing. You need to back away from that trough, buddy. You're kind of a pudgy Christian. You need to exercise your faith and go do something. So I came up with this chart. Spiritual calories burned based on activity. <laughs> now, notice the new believer. These are my little stick figures I, grew, I drew. See the new believer compared to the mature believer. What's the difference? He's pudgy. <laughs> I was told by my wife, you're never to use the word fat. <laughs> He's pudgy. He needs to exercise his faith. Notice the calories I just threw up there. I said, shared what I, uh, shared what I read in the Bible today. 40 calories for the new believer. Shared what I read in the Bible today. 90 calories for the old believer. Why? Because it's a lot harder for the old guy to do it. <laughs> he's been around. He's noticing everyone's eyes on him. So he's sweating to do it. The new believer, he's in love. He's in love. It, should, it probably didn't even burn any calories off. He did it without even thinking about it. So the truth is, that's why I love evangelism. How are you going to look at it? Let me tell you, how in love, recently in love, crazy, think about it all the time, in love, are you? Or are you a good citizen and you don't want the neighbors to talk about your... Uh, we left a toy in the front yard. Ah, what are they going to say? I don't care. I'm going to put a Jesus sticker on it. You know, <laughs> I'm witnessing. <laughs> That's my witness. You know, put Jesus stickers on all your junk and leave it in the yard. Uh, it's, not, it's nothing wrong with being a good citizen, but when it takes precedence over being in love. Honestly, ladies, do you want a husband who is... This is going to be a tough question. Do you want a husband that is just a great citizen or one who just loves you? 
I know the answer. And for, it's, un, it's so unfortunate that couples, as they're being good citizens, they say, well, if you'd only do this, if you only do this. You know what? The Bible says it this way, guys. Women, you need to respect your husbands. Men, you need to love your wives. What a great marriage that's going to be. The dishes are the full of, the sink's full of the dishes. I'm sitting here holding my wife, watching a sad old movie. I hate it. She loves it. It's a bonnet movie. You know, somewhere in the movie, someone's wearing a bonnet. <laughs> Trust me on that one, guys. <laughs> Those bridges of Madison, whatever, I don't know what it is. And, uh, someone's got a British accent and there's a bonnet. So. She loves it. We love Jesus. Fall in love. Do you have a verse? Do you have a moment? Do you, can you remember what it was that just made you go, I am going that way. I can't do this anymore. And you, you think of that. You sing to him. When was the last time that you were alone and you just told Jesus that you love him? For him, I hate being in debt. He loves paying my debts. It's who he is. And there's a debt that none of us could pay. He paid it. By suffering and dying. Being faithful unto death. If you've got a song or a moment, I want you to dwell on that. To, to think about it. To ask him, what is that curtain? This is the cur- there's a veil between us and him. And we need to pull that back. What's that veil that you've put in front of you? Is it someone who is, you know, has said something to you? Some, some situation you've gone through that you went through a divorce. You went through this or that. And you've had to protect your heart. Which also meant you're protecting it from him. Pull that veil back. Ask the Lord to reveal it to you. Say, you know what? I'm pulling that back. I'm pulling it back. Because I just, I'm going to be an evangelist without even knowing it. Because I'm in love. If you could stand with me. I think the, if the band can make their way out. <laughs> wow. There they come. Have you thought of it? Did you think of that moment? Or maybe the veil that's been closing. It's been so many years. You can even think about, have you just become a good citizen? And it's time to do the crazy thing. Take your shoes off and walk in the mud. You know, make your kids uncomfortable by Kissing your wife and just gross them out. So we're going to pray and then we're going to have the band uh, sing. And let me just ask the Father right now that the Spirit that lives within us, Holy Spirit, could you evoke those feelings, renew them? Help us to get over the hurt or the fear. 
What, what have we put in front? What offense have we put in front of just being in love? Are we worried that we have to be a good citizen? Do we just have to keep everything so organized that we forgot the love part of it? Ephesus, where they were good, they were good citizens. And yet you held that against them. I was done with crying today. There's just something in the air. People come together because they love Jesus. I feel like there's a veil that's been pulled back. veil that's hidden something I hope they can get this on TV because I'm sensing it here
Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, reveal in us those things that we keep putting in front of us. It keeps us from just falling and falling in love with you. Wow, what a great God. What a great God we serve. Thank you. And guys, why don't you give the Lord a hand and a shout? Come on, yeah!